Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. So last week, we talked about our duelists. We did. And how expensive they were. Yeah, um, that was shocking. <laughs> you really shocked me compared yeah. to what I spent. But that kind of got us thinking about, you know, how do you do things and, and not have it be quite so expensive? Right. Um, so because of that... Tom has done some research and yeah. has found out uh, some ways to do the hobby a little bit cheaper. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we want to talk about tonight, uh, ways that you could uh, get in the hobby or, or participate in the hobby um, a little bit cheaper uh, by choosing components, RC items that maybe aren't name brands, uh, but might be off brands or, you know, something from you, know, you might find on Amazon. Yeah. Before that, also last week, uh, we had the videos of the Duelist that uh, we released. And I noticed in that on my Duelist, I had some wing flutter um, or some aileron flutter yeah. on, on the wings. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. And uh, at first, I didn't I didn't see it in the video. But uh, upon closer examination, it actually looked like both of our Duelists may have had a little bit of aileron flutter. So... Yeah, so um, I want to talk about how to fix that, what I can yeah. do on mine, and uh, you know, I don't want to have that anymore. So, no. well, let's talk. Let's talk about what it is. Well, I was going to say too, though. That's that's one thing to where I don't think we would have noticed that had we not had it on video. Yeah, because we couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it. You on really can't airplane. see it from the ground. No, um, it was just in in looking at the videos after we had it. Obviously, is when we noticed it. Yeah, and it made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, um, like I, like I said, we, we couldn't hear it on either airplane. So having that video was really, um, really kind of nice for that. Even yeah. I mean, uh, not not just to record the maiden flights, but what flutter is. I mean, basically, you know, you have a a hinged control surface, and what flutter is is a rapid oscillation of that control surface uh, while you're flying, and uh, it doesn't sound bad. But it but it can lead to um, catastrophic failure. You know, if a hinge fails uh, because of this extreme flexing and the high speed vibration of that, um, then you potentially lose that control surface. And uh, if that happens on an aileron, okay, you know, you lose your your roll uh, control. But if you lose something like that on an elevator, you have complete loss of control uh, or the ability to maintain altitude, and ultimately, you know, probably going to lead to a crash. So. Definitely, definitely a bad thing. If you can identify it before catastrophe happens, so much the better. Yeah, and nobody wants to crash. So anything we can <laughs> no. do to prevent that, we're much better. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I know I did not do on mine, and I had planned on it, but honestly, I forgot. Mm. So I didn't well, we seal. Were in a rush. Too. Well, we, we kind of were. We were trying um, to get them done. But I didn't seal the the hinge gap. Um, yep. from the aileron to the actual wing. So I don't know if something like that would cause a little bit of, of flutter issues. Can. Um, and the other thing, like my ailerons probably are sitting a little farther away from the wing than they should be. Um, and the reason I did it that way is because I, I, I probably didn't shape the ailerons very well when I did it. You know, it was my first time. So I, oh, I, you mean the leading edges of the, of the, of the, yeah, of the leading aileron. So yeah. The, the thicker part of the aileron. Yep, so you could get the travel you wanted. Right. Yep. So when I shaped that, I probably didn't do it correctly. So in order to get the travel I was going for, I kind of had to move the aileron a little farther away than I should have. Mm -hmm. um, and that probably, well, that is the reason that the, the gap is so big. Because mm -hmm. um, I know your gap is a lot smaller than mine. 
Yeah, but it's not perfect. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was perfect. Right, I just right, said it was course. smaller. Um, so, yeah, with, with that being said, would sealing it make that much difference? Sealing it would definitely help um, because what's going on is air is, is rapidly going from the top of the wing to the bottom of the wing through that gap, and that creates an, an eddy or a, a current or an irregular air current around that aileron causing the flutter, you know, rapid, high pressure, low pressure. It's an aerodynamic thing that I don't really want to get into, but sealing that hinge gap is, uh, is key to, to preventing flutter and also, uh, having linkages that are, that are nice and snug with no slop. Yeah. I didn't think I had a lot of slop in mine. Yeah. So I think that might be most of the issue with mine. Uh, I chose to use Z bends at the, at the servo arms, which usually is not a, not a problem, but I may have, I may have, uh, drilled the holes in the servo <laughs> arms a little bit too large. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little bit of slop in the wire. So that's an easy fix. I'll flip the arms around and uh, drill the holes smaller on that side and, uh, should be good to go. Like with yours, how many hinges did you use? Uh, I have five hinges on each aileron. Okay, so do I then. So yeah. it's not like and I, I put... went with the with the Robart pinned hinges, which are the you know they're pinned. You know the <laughs> the, uh, the 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 joint where they uh, flex is is got a, a met like a no kidding a metal pin in there. So I, I chose those because they're strong. Um, but yeah, I was not expecting the the flutter. So yeah, I'm gonna have to seal my hinge gap and uh, tighten up the the uh, the control rods. Yeah, so I just use the CA hinges on mine. It was so much easier to do it that way. Yeah, um, it, CA hinges are nice. They've been around forever, so well, I figured no it was good enough. not to use them. Yeah, so that's it. So just fill the the gap, and that yep. should be enough. You think? Yep. Seal the gap and make sure the linkages are nice and tight, and okay. you should be you should be fine. Then we will do that and try it again some other time, and hopefully that fixes everything. Yeah. Luckily, we didn't see any flutter on the elevator on either airplane, so that's a good thing. And that was a little farther away, though. It's it's kind of hard to see. I think. Well, the the elevators are wider also, uh, so I would think that we probably would have heard, at least on your airplane, we would have heard any kind of flutter. Yeah. But the ailerons on these airplanes are pretty thin, honestly. They are. Um, so They're what, an inch? Yeah, I think they're, I think they're right at an inch, yeah, uh, wide. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, seal the hinge caps and uh, tighten up the linkages, and that'll, that'll fix that issue. And so then does a bigger surface, like a, a deeper surface, make a difference in how much flutter you can get? Because like on my elevator and my rudder, it's a lot bigger than yours. Yeah. 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 The a size lot. matters. So is bigger better <laughs> or is bigger worse? Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. You know, some people <laughs> would say bigger is better. So is bigger more <laughs> prone to give you flutter? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of would have thought the, the opposite of that. Well, in my experience, uh, the, the Especially with ailerons, uh, a wider aileron. I had an airplane, it's been some time back, it was a Katana. No, 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 I'm sorry. I don't 50. mean wider. I mean like the actual depth. So like on a, on a rudder and on an elevator, you know, like mine are quite a bit bigger than yours. Yes. So the bigger, the, the longer they are. Yeah. That's, so, that's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't like, mean to cut you off, my bad. No, that's okay. Uh, so like on this old Katana 50 I had, which was a hangar, I had really, really... Uh, deep or wide ailerons. Uh, it was designed for 3D flying. And uh, I remember the first flight on that, both ailerons fluttered. And one of them fluttered to the point where it actually broke the um, the control horn that was bolted to the to the aileron. Um, <laughs> mostly because of the, the width of these things were just so enormous. Uh, when you gained any kind of airspeed, the flutter, because they were so much deeper, 
and therefore heavier, the oscillations were that much more extreme. So I think a wider control or a deeper control surface is probably going to be more prone to flutter and certainly be uh, more prone to the damaging effects of it. And like I said, I would have thought that to be the opposite way because there's more mass, so it moves slower. Yeah, but more mass is, is more, you know, mass changing directions quickly. So that's that's quite a severe shock to the to the system. So I am so glad I didn't think about flutter before we actually made <laughs> those because that would have been another thing on my another on my thing mind. To worry about <laughs> so that didn't even cross my mind to, well, that's to a good even thing. worry about that. But on your airplane, though, like I said, we didn't hear it. So Mm-mm. any flutter that may have happened, I think, was minimal. And uh, it really so, looked like like when I noticed it was on lower speed passes. When we did the higher speed passes, I didn't see anything on the video. Yeah. Um, so it, it's yeah. it's weird. I don't, I'm I don't still know. Not, I'm still not 100% convinced that it's not some weird photo, video anomaly. Thingy. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, Anyway, it didn't do any damage. Like, you, you know, usually a telltale sign of flutter is you can usually see some kind of wear, either in the servo arm or the control horn, you know, elongation of the hole, maybe where the clevis goes through or anything like But we didn't see anything like that. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so not a bad idea to seal the gap. I will definitely do that before I fly it and again. And call it good. <laughs> I like <laughs> doing that. That's easy. That's a quick fix. Yeah. So, do you want to get into saving money? Yeah, I'm, I tell you what, I, I like saving money. It doesn't look like it. How much do you spend on your do list? Well, that's that's what got the whole conversation started, right? <laughs> um, there there were things that certainly that I that I could have done uh, to save myself some money. And like I said in the in the last episode, some of the stuff that uh, that I accounted for, I already had, so it didn't really cost me what I said it cost me. That's just what you would expect to pay if somebody didn't have the stuff already. Yeah. Um, but certainly there, there would be ways to save, save some money, uh, especially on a build of that size. And you saved quite a bit of money on yours too. And we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, with some of the cost saving measures we're going to go over. Yeah. I'm cheap. So the cheaper (laughs) I can go, the better off I am. He is cheap. I I don't have a lot of funds for this. So (laughs) yeah, cheap is good. so, So I'll start. Um, I'll preface this first one by saying it used to be a lot cheaper to do this, what I'm getting ready to talk about, uh, back in the day. Uh-huh. Which uh, was how long ago? It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> not going to get into that. But um, so making your own, blending your own fuel. Uh, for us nitromethane guys uh, or nitro fuel guys or, or glow fuel guys, um, it basically is three parts. We've, we've talked about fuel before in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our model engine fuel consists of two sometimes three components. Uh, basically, it's methanol, oil, and nitromethane in varying percentages. Uh, back in the day, it used to be quite economical to blend your own fuel just using those three components that you could get. Um, methanol, which is basically alcohol, uh, you could go down to your local race shop uh, and they would sell it to you a gallon at a time for three or four bucks. Wow. Um, times have changed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's harder to get, especially some of you know, these other components like the nitromethane, it's, uh, it's hard to get and it's very expensive. Um, so assuming that, uh, most folks for 10% nitro fuel, uh, pay about 30 bucks a gallon. That that's, that's an average. I mean, obviously some folks pay less, some folks pay more here in the Midwest at our favorite hobby shop. It's about 30 bucks for a gallon of 10% fuel. Gosh, uh, that is just so expensive. 
It is, especially if like on, for instance, my doulas last weekend, <laughs> I went through a lot. So 12 ounces times three. So, you know, 36, 36 ounces. ounces of fuel uh, just in those three flights. Um, and those were relatively short flights. Five or six minutes? Yeah. They were, so, they were not very long. So, yeah. yeah, you can go through a gallon of fuel in a weekend easily. Oh, um, yeah. Or, or more, you know, maybe more than a gallon. Some folks can. Which is why um, I like electric batteries. <laughs> so much as more. opposed to fuel batteries <laughs> <laughs> that was both that's why i, I like electric <laughs> slash why i like batteries oh, I because gotcha. they're cheaper they are uh no no question i'm not gonna argue that point um <laughs> so just uh for example um 10 fuel i ran down some some of today's prices uh probably the most economical way to do it is to start with a uh VP fuels sells a 50/50 blend of methanol and nitromethane. It comes in a 5-gallon container. Um like I said it's 50% nitromethane, 50% alcohol. We'll just call it alcohol. 5-gallon pail of that uh today's price is 162 bucks. And with the with the ratios ouch. Well, hold on. That will make uh according to my notes 24 gallons of 10% fuel. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bore everybody with the details of the numbers, but, um, yeah, you bored me with them earlier. So well, I did. Okay. And I promised I wouldn't do that to our, to our viewers and our audience. So, um, basically you start with that and then you add, uh, varying amounts of oil and, uh, methanol or alcohol to the remainder of that to make about 24 gallons of fuel. And what that ends up costing you is about $23 a gallon. So it saves you a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of a headache. And then you have to go get the components and things like that. So if you burn a lot of fuel, or I could see this like as a, as a club, you know, a club that maybe burns a lot of fuel throughout the course of a season, you know, they want to, they want to maybe get in together and and blend 50 or so gallons of fuel. You could, I mean, and obviously the more of this you do, the more you save, right? Because the stuff gets cheaper when you start buying it in larger quantities. Yeah. But then you also have to have metal containers to put them in. Metal's the best. True. And you have to have a way of storing right. 50 gallons or whatever you end up making. Well, luckily, the, the VP fuels, it comes in a cool uh, five-gallon uh, plastic uh, drum okay. uh, that's actually really, really super convenient. It's got a, an airtight lid on it that when you when you close it, you know, it, it's for all intents and purposes completely airtight. sealed. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. Airtight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you could save a little bit of money by blending your own fuel. I'm not sure that it's really worth, at least according to the numbers that I came up with, um, the convenience of just going to the hobby shop and getting one gallon or two gallons instead of trying to make 24 gallons and then selling off the gallons to your buddies or whatever. Um, but that's one way that you can save some money in the hobby. Yeah, so how long do you think that fuel would last? Like is that you obviously so, probably won't go through 24 gallons in a season, so... Well, like I said, I could foresee doing something like this and then selling fuel to club members or maybe the club doing this and selling it to the club members, you know. Um, but honestly, if, if you have fuel stored in, let's say, a metal container, like you said, uh, which are the best, yeah. um, you know, two or, three, two or three years in a sealed container that doesn't get opened is, is probably uh, a realistic um, expectation for how long that fuel is going to last. Okay. So well, that's not too bad then. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, certainly, I could probably burn five, five to seven gallons of fuel in in three years' time easily. 
Well, well if you had your way, you'd do it that in I, a year. <laughs> yeah, if I had my way, I'd do that in a summer. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so like I said, uh, I'm not sure if it's worth it, you know, to save seven dollars or so for a gallon. But uh, in like a club situation, I could I could see that as a cost cost saving measures is a cost saving measure. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. It is uh, to you know to uh, pass along to to your members. Well, and seven bucks a gallon adds up over. Would you say how many that make? Twenty four. That makes about twenty four gallons of fuel. So seven times twenty four, you're almost hundred and seventy five bucks. Yeah, that's not nothing. No, that's not nothing. So there you go. That's one way you can save some money in the hobby. Another way, uh-huh. and this is like one of your favorite ways, creating your own balsa sticks. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, I don't know why that blew my mind so much when, when we were up at the hobby shop and, and you said, here, buy this. That changed my life. Yeah, it's a game changer. I mean, really, the, the pricing on it just drops dramatically. And it's it's so much easier. So it's crazy. It's crazy how much money you can actually save by taking a quarter inch by three inch wide plank and cutting it down with that cool master air screw balsa stripper mm-hmm. or another tool that will do the same thing and make that into whatever size sticks you need. It's crazy the the yeah. amount of money you can save by doing that. And that's probably the only way I'm gonna do it from now on. Like oh, to be yeah. honest, because it's not worth not doing it. Yeah, I'll probably well, I mean, I I'm not gonna say never. You know, never's a well, long time. That's true. But uh, I, I don't foresee myself buying quarter inch by three eighths or quarter inch square balsa sticks for a while. Now that I've you know broken out that master hair screw tool. Well, and the thinner it is, or the easier it is to cut too. Absolutely. Like quarter inch kind of got to be a little bit problematic for me at times. Well, with hard balsa, it can be. Yeah. But uh, but medium to soft balsa, man, it mine anyway it goes right through it. Oh yeah, definitely. With a fresh but, blade, man. Like I said, quarter inch got a little bit more more hinky because for some reason I I don't know if I was did doing you, it wrong or what. But did you say hinky? Hinky? What is it? What What is hinky? Got a little bit. Is that a word? And I don't know. It is because I used it. Is that got like a little wonky? Bit, is it kind of the wonky? same thing as wonky? <laughs> Maybe that's what I meant. I don't well, know. I've heard hinky before, but I don't. I don't know what it means. I, it got a little bit difficult. It got a little <laughs> bit off 90 degrees. Okay, yeah. Um, so there were a couple of them to wear, and it wasn't terrible, yeah. uh, but like it wasn't a completely square stick. Oh, so I got gotcha. you. that's something to kind of take into consideration too. But like I said, thinner ones were no problem. Oh, it was yeah. just the thick ones, yeah. um, quarter inch and so. But like it was still cheaper to throw away a couple of those if oh, I really yeah. messed them up oh, for than sure. it was to buy it as sticks. Yeah. And really so, the, the biggest problem I had too is when you get to the end, for some reason I'd always kind of like yeah, get to the very end and kind of go off just a little bit and yeah. I did that too. Like well, good. I, I, I do that, just especially me. on the quarter inch stuff. But yeah. but like you said, I mean, how often do I use a full 36 inch length yeah, of true. quarter inch by quarter inch rarely not so often. um and if i need something that precise i'll just be more careful yeah with the tool so i thought you were gonna say buy a stick i'm glad you didn't no heavens <laughs> no so as an example uh i ran some numbers so i'll use sig prices because i like sig balsa look at this you're the numbers guy today yeah i like it that's a that's a that's awesome switching it up a little bit yeah you go girl um <laughs> That was me giving Ron a look, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, SIG sells quarter-inch square uh, sticks by 36-inch for $0.75 cents each. That doesn't sound expensive. No, it doesn't. Uh, SIG, uh, SIG also sells a quarter-inch by 3-inch wide sheet or plank mm-hmm. uh, for $3.63. 
that sounds like a lot more than 75 cents. But listen, <laughs> you can get 12 quarter-inch square sticks How out many? of one. 12. 12? 12. By the way, it's usually 11 because I always have one that doesn't quite work out. Okay. Like that that last one kind of gets hard to do. Yeah, so. I, I follow you. But in optimum conditions, let's say everything goes right, you can get 12 sticks because you're not, you're not taking a curve. No, you're like not. Like you're not running them. You're not you removing know, material. Exactly. Uh, so you can get 12 of those quarter-inch square sticks out of a three-inch wide plank. And when you do the math, that comes out to 30 cents each. Which is a lot better. Compared to 75 than cents. Than 75. Yeah. So that saves you 45 cents per per stick and if you multiply that that's by like 12 40% that's $5.40 over the over the, that that 3 inch wide plank that cost you $3.63 saved you $5.40 over 12 quarter inch square wow. sticks right yeah so like and that's just one example like if you're doing a big a large build mm-hmm. imagine the savings if you're doing like quarter by 3 eighths or 3 sixteenths by quarter or eighth inch by quarter i mean the savings yeah. are, I mean, they. it just gets, the more you get out of it, the crazier the savings gets. Well, and really, it's not just the savings on how much you save money-wise, but it's the savings on space to where you can keep three or four-inch wide pieces of balsa, yeah. and that will make quarter-inch wide. Right. That will make three-eighths-inch wide. If you need half-inch wide, you can do that. If you need eighth-inch wide, eighth-inch by quarter, you can do it that do way, whatever, too. Yep, you can make it whatever, like that tool, I mean, that tool will pay for itself the first project. And yeah. then some. Well, the first sheet, pretty much. I <laughs> well, mean, yeah. really. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's what, 10 bucks or it something? That's what I bucks. paid for mine. Yep. Yeah. So, so, no brainer. And you don't even have to t- have the tool to do it. You, you True. Could, you could fabricate something in your shop to, to strip, you know, or to rip, you know, sheets of balsa to whatever length or width you need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cutting your own balsa sticks saved you a lot of money, especially over time. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, one other way you can save money in the hobby. What else? Uh, how about this? How about using non-hobby grade products compared to hobby grade products? For example, let's talk about tools. Okay. Okay. I like tools. I'm a huge fan of Harbor Freight tools. Like I buy a lot of, like not just my hobby tools, but like tools I use to work on the cars or the bikes or whatever. I, I have a lot of Harbor Freight tools in my toolbox at home. It depends what it is. But I have several too, especially things I know I'm going to use like once or twice, but don't want to rent. Yes. Comes from Harbor Freight. Right. Because I'm not making money with it. So it's not like it's a a contractor thing where I'm doing a a bunch of work with it. Mm -hmm. So if it lasts me 10% as long as an expensive one does, for me, that's still a lifetime. Yeah. Yep. Totally worth it. So, um, so I'm going to pick on, I'm going to pick on Exacto first. Okay. Oh, that's mean. I'm just gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying I really like Exacto products. Mm-hmm. They are very fine quality products. I'm I'm not gonna t- and I have a lot of Exacto products in my tool box at home. But I tell you what, I also have a lot of Harbor Freight um, <laughs> hobby knife sets yeah. or pieces of hobby knife sets in my collection. For example, Harbor Freight sells a 13 piece hobby knife set, and and I'm not making this up. For three dollars and ninety nine cents, comes in a wooden case, and it is nearly identical to the same Exacto set. Uh, same number of pieces, same blade shapes, same handle sizes, same way they were. I mean, they're nearly identical. Uh, Exacto sells theirs for twenty three dollars. I will say though, some of the cheap ones are too cheap. 
It's like if you go to a dollar store or something like that and you find some of these, you know, that it's a dollar for two of them with a couple blades. I've tried those before and I, I don't like them. Hmm. Okay. So there is a there is a way of going too cheap on things. Okay. Like I know this about saving money, but you need to get something that's quality at the same time. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I will say, when you say you need something of quality, so I'm not making a living with these tools, um, and I'm cutting, for the most part, fairly soft materials. True. Um, so I don't need something that's going to last me 50 years because I'm working in a production line making my living with it either. But I've had just hobby knives in general, like the Exacto type knives. Okay. I have gotten some from the dollar store, and the first time I screwed it in to put a, a blade in, it just strips. Oh, well, that's so okay. that, like I said, that's the kind of stuff yeah, that a tool that doesn't is not useful at all. Right. Yeah, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. I personally have experience with the with the the Harbor Freight tool set mm-hmm. and have yet to have that particular issue. I will say that the that the the quality of the edge on the blades probably not as good or fine as Exacto, but I mean when you're saving $20 I mean I can buy a lot of blades for $20. True, and we're <laughs> cutting balsa right or covering or you know so it's exactly. not like it's going to be doing anything difficult. Yeah. And speaking of blades, the most common blade that we use. Number 11. Number 11. Number right? 11. You can buy those in bulk. Um, Exacto sells them in bulk. And when I say in bulk, I mean like the packages of 100. Yeah, that's what I um, bought. Amazon, you, can, you can get them on. Sorry about that. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them. Uh, Hobby King sells a, a bulk pack. Um, it used to be if you were... Uh, uh, a hobby shop, you could get bulk packs from Horizon uh, designed to sell them in the shop. You break them down and sell them individually, and that you, know, you could make a little bit of margin on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Exacto sells their 100 pack uh, for $35. Wow. I think the last ones I bought on Amazon were like $11.99. $11.99. Yeah, that's what I've that... got here. Um, that's pretty good savings. Oh. Yeah, pretty good savings. So that's and I'm you know, still working on that that first pack that I bought. So I'm I'm still doing pretty good. I with go it. through them a lot. Like I I'm not afraid to change them out when when stuff gets hard to cut, especially monocoat or the, or the covering material. I'm cheap, so I like well, to make them. I like them a nice sharp edge, <laughs> you know, on my yeah. on my covering. So uh, well, I like to make them last. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what trims for, right? True. <laughs> but you want your trim to be straight too. Well, straight. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> I, I think I went through probably 15 blades doing the, the duelist. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's probably about what I went through. Okay. So, I don't feel too bad. Okay. Yeah. And that's balsa and covering. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And I used one knife for the, yeah. whole, for the whole project. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I just replaced the blade. Okay. Uh, next tool. Uh, this tool, every model builder should have. Okay. In their, in their tool box or on their workbench or whatever. And that's, I didn't realize, by the way, this was going to be a tool episode. Well, it's not. Okay. It's not a tool episode, but we're talking about ways to save money. And this is one other way. So the standard by which all multi-tools are measured, the Dremel 3000, model number 3000. It's been called a few things over the years, but the most current uh, incarnation is the, the model 3000. Um, and it does it all, right? It's the AC-DC one with variable speed. It has the finger chuck on it, so you don't have to have the tool to tighten the, the bit, all that kind of stuff. What do you mean AC-DC? Uh, I'm sorry, it's AC. You know, the corded one you plug into the wall. 
I'm okay. so used to saying ACDC because chargers, you know, when we're shopping for chargers, we always want the ACDC one so we can use it either at the field or at the car. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> the corded uh, Dremel Model 3000 that does it all. We use it for everything. Uh, I found it as cheap as, uh, say, 50 bucks online. Okay. That doesn't sound bad. I mean, for a tool that you're going to use over and over for many different things, you're going to use it. I mean, I use it for, you know, cutting drywall, or, you know, with a, with a rotary uh, cutter or sharpening my lawnmower blades or cutting wire. You sharpen your lawnmower blades with it? Well, yeah. I use an angle grinder. Oh. I just well, think they work a lot better. That probably does work better. So but, how long does, I mean, does it take you a long time then to do it with a little know, Dremel? Ten minutes. Maybe that's a lot longer. Okay, I'm done in a couple minutes. Anyway, oh, that's, okay. Well, that's maybe fine. I'll use my angle grinder. But anyway, um, you can use drill for anything. So fifty bucks for their for their model three thousand kit. It's basically the the tool and a few a few cutting grinding accessories. Yeah, cutting and wheels a, and, and a little yeah, you know, like a sanding blow molded disc. pouch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harbor Freight again to the rescue. Uh, they sell a similar kit. Uh, it's made by Chicago Electric. That's their kind of their house brand. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They sell one that is actually same setup. It's, uh, you know, plug, you know, it's a corded one. So it's AC 110 volts, uh, with variable speed, the finger chuck, but the Harbor Freight one has an ergonomic grip. So it's actually, instead of just being a straight tool, it actually has kind of a bend at the end where you would grip it kind of like a pistol grip. Okay. Um, but not quite as much of an angle. It's just a slight angle. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's very ergonomic and it's really easy to use. And it comes with, I think, uh, their kit comes with, if I recall, 25 bits in the kit. Now, I will say the Harbor Freight bits. Kind of leave a little bit desired. I would, especially the grinding stones, usually yeah. they're not true. So they vibrate like a son of a gun when you turn them on. Um, but anyway, you can buy that kit at Harbor Freight for $23. That's less than half of the Dremel tool. Now, granted, you may have to replace some of the grinding stones with some quality stones or maybe a cutting wheel, but that's still quite a bit of savings. And I personally own one of these things, and I love it. I would stick with Dremel. Like on that one, I really would. It's, it's, I have had some issues with uh, Chicago Electric tools before. And yeah, I know you could have one break and buy another one and then still be at the same price, but I just... Actually, if you have one break, they'll give you a brand new one when you take it to the store. I didn't know that. Yeah. They Lifetime just, replacement. I don't know. Then that, they're probably great then. Then <laughs> maybe, perfect, use that. But there are still some things that I won't go cheap on. I understand. Me too. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to those here in a little bit. Now, I do have a Dremel Moto tool, um, and I'll be honest... That one is my go-to. Yeah, um, and I, I can understand that, but not because not because it's it's any really any better or or any better quality. It's just because that's the one I always go to. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I have a Dremel and I have the Harbor Freight one, and they both sit on my my. I've got a shelf there by my building table, and for some reason, the Dremel is the one I always grab. But. You don't have to spend the $50 for a Dremel. If you need a True. rotary tool, the Harbor Freight one will get the job done yeah. just fine. So, and that saves you 27 bucks. $27. That's that's a lot you can save on, or you can spend on something else, like yeah. another airplane. Like a receiver or, you know, yeah, an engine. Uh, so 
Lowe's foam board. So this is another item you can use. I mean, it's it's a great construction material. I mean, I, I use it. I mean, I use it for a lot of things. I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit. Well, I don't know what kind you're talking about yet. Like, Oh, so I'm, the, the foam I'm talking about is like the, the pink or blue uh, foam board. It comes in four by eight sheets in various thicknesses. And that is a, an extruded, I think, yeah, foam. Yeah, so that's the extruded foam. Um, that stuff is great to Like I use that for cutting boards. Yes. I cut all of my stuff on, I think yep. I have inch and a half, uh, just some pieces of, of two foot by four foot, inch and a half uh, yep. extruded foam. Yeah, it's great stuff. Now you can get the expanded foam too, which is the white, the beady looking stuff. Um, is that the stuff that like um, when you break it, it throws little white pills all over the place, little balls? Yes and I no. So <laughs> there's there are some that do that. If you get the really really cheap stuff that they use for like packaging, okay. um, that will break off like that. If you get like a good quality uh, expanded foam, it won't break apart like that. Okay. Uh, you can make it break apart like that if you really want to, but it doesn't just break apart like it would on the, the packaging stuff. Okay. So like when we build the the wings for the tri-motor, yes. we're going to want to use the one pound density okay. uh, EPS stuff. So we'll have to get some of that because that's, the, I mean, the easiest thing to, to cut with a hot wire cutter. Probably um, cheaper than the extruded stuff too. Probably. A, a little bit, yeah. Okay. But it's definitely lighter. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's got it's got air kind of incorporated into the into the process, right? Well, it's they use steam to expand the pellets, and that's what makes them stick together. And then the amount of steam versus the amount of pellets that go in is what gives it its density and and all that. But that's getting a little off topic. Um, oh, okay. Well, the one pound is just light and strong for what we would need it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the stuff I'm talking about is the extruded. Uh, that it's a pretty dense, fairly heavy yeah. uh, foam board that, that I get it at Lowe's. Uh, you can buy a four by eight sheet of this stuff for about 40 bucks for the two inch thickness. And, and you don't necessarily need two inch for a lot of things either. No, heavens no. Um, and, and what I'm talking about here specifically next are stands. Like, so it's convenient to have a foam stand to put an airplane in when you're building it or working on it or whatever. And Robart makes one. Actually, Robart makes a couple of different stands. Uh, and those are excellent stands, by the way. I have two, I think, of their little ones. And I think I have two of their big ones too. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah, I have one of the big ones. I like it. Yeah. And uh, so they're very well engineered. They're very well, They're uh, and they're actually really not that expensive. But like if you have like a lot of airplanes, and you don't want to store them on the gear. And why don't we want to store them on the gear, Ron? Oh, because it's going to make the wheels. Flat not, spots. Uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Flat spots. That's such a pet peeve of mine. It's I so mean, thanks for letting me answer, by the way. You, oh, cut me, you asked me a question. You cut me off. But that's all right. I was setting Go myself on. up. Uh, because it's such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's so easy to prevent flat spots. I'm not going to. Uh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my soapbox, and then I'm going to get right back off. So. Don't let your airplane sit on the tires, please. Just a couple of ball, a couple of little foam blocks with a hole in the center for the wheels to rest on. No flat spots. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, but you can make some really, really inexpensive <laughs> stands out of this four by eight sheet of foam from Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a lot of airplanes uh, and you have space for the stands, I mean, I did the math. You can make, um, you can get eight. Uh, 24 by 12 by 12 inch tall stands. And then you can cut the hole, you know, in the the uprights, you know, to fit your fuselage just right. You can get eight of those out of a four by eight sheet of that foam. 
uh, that works out to $6 each. $6 for an airplane stand. And what's a Robart the Robart one cost? Yeah, the cheapest, the smallest one from Robart is $17.50. And what's the big one? Uh, the big one, I think, is $29.99. Wow. That's the one I have. Yeah. I didn't, that's that's a big difference. That's quite a saving, especially if you have a lot of airplanes and, and if you're like me, you don't like for them to sit on their gear, um, you can make stands or better yet. But hold on. Those aren't two inch thick though. The Robart ones or Robart well, ones the, are not uh, two inch thick. You could probably get away with inch or inch and a half even. Yeah. You can. And that um, would be a lot cheaper even. But uh but I I like the the thicker um the thicker thickness. The thicker <laughs> thickness. The, okay. The, I like the thicker ones because they're a little bit more solid, especially for like a nitro uh airplane or an airplane that's up there around the you know, the eight pound range or, or heavier. The thicker it is, the more stable it's gonna be. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. So yeah, some you know, if you've got some leftover dowels or some PVC pipe, pin the ends of it glue it together and you got a really nice stand. And if you really fancy, you can kind of uh, hollow out the center of it to put tools in and things like that. Create uh, um, cavities if you want, like you know, tool to slide tools. Yeah, exactly. Um, all kinds of things you can make with this stuff uh, to save yourself some money. Um, so yeah, stands. Cool. And I don't even like, I didn't do the math, but, <laughs> oh, but you can get like 40 or 50 pair of chalks, like wheel chalks, to rest your airplanes on so they don't get flat spots oh, yeah. out of a sheet of this. And I did actually look up, let's see, where did I find that? Oh, here it is. So there's a company, uh, Sullivan actually sells them. And I think they're called Macy's Magic Wheel Chalks or something like that. They're okay. aluminum, really, really high quality, nice, nice stuff. They key into the axle on your gear. Uh, so there's no weight on the tires whatsoever. Um, but these things are, let's see here. Uh, $25 for a pair of these things. Wow. Now, they're really nice. And especially if you got like big airplanes, big heavy airplanes, that's kind of probably what you'd want to use. But if you're on a budget. But if you're on a budget, then I mean, yeah. You know, you you double layer a couple of these things for for bigger airplanes to cut a hole in the center of it. Uh, And, you know, for the tire, I mean, you can get a pair of these. uh, And I think it comes out to like, I think I did the math, 25 cents for a pair of them. Yeah. From 25 bucks to 25 cents. That's yeah. a, a hundred fold difference. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, uh, you can use it as a cutting board, uh, yeah. which, which I went ahead and did the math on that too. Uh, so I found, uh, so Hobby Lobby, that's another place I like to go to, to get stuff, especially if I'm like in a hurry and, you know, because we don't have a hobby shop here in town, yeah. sometimes I need a piece of balsa or I need a piece of basswood or, or a piece or of basswood uh, or basswood <laughs> crystal. So sometimes I'll get that sort of thing in Hobby Lobby and you can get, uh, you can get quality glues there too. Like you can get tight bond there. You can get, I've actually seen SIG, uh, the SIG yellow glue there before. Um, at any rate, uh, Hobby Lobby sells a self-healing cutting mat. Okay. And it's uh two feet by three feet and it's $35 for that's, a two that's foot expensive. by three foot self-healing cutting mat. And I have one and it is great for cutting monocote, things like that on. But you know what else is good for cutting monocote on? Foam. A one and a half inch thick piece of foam board. So here's my problem, like with the self-healing mats, because I've got one too. It sounds awesome being self-healing and all, but it's still like I have more problems cutting stuff on that after I use it a lot. And why is that? Because you can still feel the ridges from where yes. you cut. It, it, so it's I, still I, disposable. Yes. 
Absolutely true. That's not going to last you forever. Nope. Um, foam also is disposable, but it's a lot cheaper. So much cheaper. And that's why, and you can use both sides of it. Yeah, like exactly. Like the mats are single-sided too. Yeah, flip so, it over yeah. when, when, you're, when, it's, uh, when it's really beat up. So at Lowe's, you can get the one-inch thick <laughs> four-by-eight sheet uh-huh. <laughs> for 13 bucks. That's not bad. And you can get five of those cutting mats out of one of those. Do you know how much that is per, per cutting mat? $2.60. $2.60, there you go. $2.16 okay. compared to 35 bucks. That's a lot better. So there's a way to save some money in the hobby also. What else? Let's move on. <laughs> oh, gosh. This this is a somewhat controversial topic. Ooh, I like controversy. What do you got? So using hobby-grade products that are not brand name. Depending on that, I have no problem okay. with it. So what I'm talking about specifically here is stuff that you can get on, um, for example, Amazon, AliExpress, Hobby King, places like that. These products are more than likely made, uh, you know, overseas. But what isn't, by the way? Right. To be honest, a lot of our products are are made overseas. Yeah. So you know, when somebody tells me, "Oh, it's made in China," that doesn't really bother me because no. a lot of stuff is made over there, and there's a lot of quality stuff that that comes here from there. Yeah. Would you agree? I would agree. Okay. Like most of the Spectrum stuff, I think comes from there anyway, doesn't it? Either that or Taiwan. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but yeah, still, still. Um, so I'm going to start uh, with with one of my favorite um, non brand name products that I've only really discovered recently. Okay. Um, I call it China Coat, but it's also called New Cover. Um, I think I New think, Cover comes from Value Hobby. Okay. And I know that because that's what I used on the uh, on the Duelist. Okay. Um, and I love it, by the way. I I do too. Uh, I bought some China code. I don't even remember where I got it from. Um, and obviously it wasn't called China code. I think it was actually labeled new cover, I think. Okay. Uh, when I got it. Um, but it was a, it was a cheap alternative to Monocoat and I used it on that little cloud dancer project. Mm -hmm. And then I used a a fair amount of it on my duelist and man, I love it. And you want to know what I really love about it? The price? The price. So like I I have a few scrap rolls of monocoat and ultra coat, whatever sitting back there. I really am just thinking about giving it to you because <laughs> I, I have no use for it. Like I'll it's not add enough it to my collection. There you go. It's not enough for me to keep um, because I can't do like a full plane with it or anything. And right. I know I'm not going to replace it because it's so much more expensive. So well, you, you might can, as well take it. You can save the colors that you have for trim because Here's the other thing about China Coat. It's compatible with Monocoat. Like you can use Monocoat over it. You can use it over Monocoat. It's awesome. What about Ultra Coat? Okay. So no. Okay. Easy enough. Um, there we go. Ultra Coat, like I've I've had well, I like Ultra Coat. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, poo-poo Ultra Coat. Um it's good quality stuff, and I do like it. It's expensive. Um but the problem I have with ultra coat are sags. And I know, I know it's probably my technique. Uh, I, I get that, you know, there's a way you need to apply it, but I have over these many years, I have yet to develop a technique that doesn't give me sags when an airplane has been sitting out in the sun for a while. Monocoat, I don't have that issue at all. Okay. So, and now with the, with this other stuff, I'm totally sold. And here is the, is the kicker. So the new cover or or the new coat, I can't, is it new cover or new coat? 
New cover. New cover. Uh, it comes in a 15 meter, I'm sorry, a five meter <laughs> roll. I was going to say, where do you buy that? Because mine wasn't. <laughs> it's a five meter roll, which is about 15 feet. It's, it's about actually 16 feet. It's, yeah, it's actually yeah. over 15 feet. Okay. And it's for standard colors. In this case, uh, I looked up red, bright red. Um, $13 for a five meter roll. I or, paid 15. Or 16 ish bucks or 16 ish yeah. feet, right? A comparable roll of Monocoat Missile Red, okay, retails for a six foot roll. Six foot is six nothing. foot roll uh, for fifteen bucks. Same price, well, a little bit more expensive. A little bit for more, a lot less. For than a half. lot less. So if you do the math, uh, I did the math. The Monocoat is roughly two dollars and fifty cents a foot. The new cover is less than. One dollar per foot. Yeah, like I said, I, I have no reason to use anything else. So when I got mine, I was afraid to use the metallics because I've heard people complain about that on some of the cheaper covering. Yeah, but I use a metallic red. No, I didn't. I use metallic blue. <laughs> I was gonna say, was like, what did no I do red that? on that airplane? I use metallic red. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I use metallic blue. This color. That color. See, maybe that's it. I've got red right here. <laughs> so I use metallic blue, and I use metallic silver. And yeah. I had no problems with them whatsoever. It looks so, fantastic. Yeah, like, I think the covering did well. I have used I've used Monaco for years and years and years, and occasionally, and it has something to do with um, the uh, probably the heat that I'm using. Um, but occasionally with metallics, especially on compound curves, I'll get um, like a smearing of the metallic, yeah. almost like it liquefies and then it loses its like metallic direction. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. On, yeah. on your uh, new cover I didn't on the metallic stuff. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, saves a lot of money. And so far, I mean, so far, so good. I, like, uh, I've seen the stuff sitting out in the sun. It doesn't sag. Uh, it doesn't yeah. seem to be letting go. It doesn't seem to be getting, um, uh, what's the word, uh, over time, um, brittle. Like, <laughs> sometimes, you know, Monaco well, can get brittle. I've not had it long enough to know if it gets brittle. Well, but I mean, Honestly. we've had it in some pretty cold weather. Like yours has been sitting out in the car now for a few days. Shush. Um, and it doesn't, it's still pliable. Uh, Monaco sometimes can get brittle. So, yeah. so there you go. A non-brand name hobby grade product that saves you money. Oh, I, yeah. Like I said, I have no problem with that. So, yeah. Okay. So here's my next example of a non-hobby brand named pro- servos. I mean, servos. Amazon, I mean, you you type in RC airplane servo in your Amazon search bar and you will get, a uh, ton. conservatively speaking, 20 pages worth of low-cost servos. Yeah. Um, and you've used some. I have. I have as well. Um, nothing bigger, though. So I've not used any of the bigger ones on anything, but I have used like the... Um, uh, the nine gram ones for, for things I don't really care about. Yep. Yep. So, so in this yeah. example, I, me too. Like, so, and that I think is usually what most folks probably gravitate towards on yeah. Amazon when, when you're doing the servos. Um, but just for example, uh, I looked up a standard analog, basic standard size RC servo, something mm-hmm. similar to like a Futaba S3003 or a high tech 311 or a JR501 or, or, a, or a Spectrum ST4, a standard basic servo. Okay, so a high-tech 311, it's about 10 bucks each. Um, 
The Futaba 3003s, I think you can get those for 11 to 12 bucks each for a decent, you know, a brand name uh, servo, right? So I tried to find one on Amazon and I found one on Amazon and it sells in a four pack for $20. Yeah. That's so half $5 price. per servo. Um, yeah. Now, I will caveat that by saying I have not used any of those particular servos. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I think I'm going to. Um, and I'll get to this here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about a radio here soon. I may buy a few of these servos and just uh, test to them. try them with this uh, radio that we're going to talk about and um, and really, you know, see how they perform. Uh, do they perform like a $5 servo or do they perform like a comparable, you know, hobby grade or hobby brand name servo? We'll see. But anyway, that's another way you can save some money in the hobby, uh, especially on the smaller stuff, which... I've had no problems with the, with the small servos I've gotten from Amazon. I've never had one stop working. I've had them where they came dead, but I've oh, never really? had one stop working. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I've had... Like, like the nine gram ones. Yeah, I've had Hobby King servos, like the HXT, all the same. whatever. I've they're had all the some s- of those come dead. They're all the same. But I, I mean, but, really. Right, true. Um, but they're Probably all made in the same factory. They probably are. Uh, so here's... I don't really want to talk about this one, but I feel like we should. Um, receivers. <laughs> this is a topic you and I disagree on. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah, we do. Because it's it goes back to the fact that you don't want to use inexpensive receivers. Period. Ever. Um, and I they really don't bother me. Now, that could change quickly. But I've never had... Like, I've never used a Lemon RX before, but I've used several of the orange receivers, mm-hmm. and I've never had a problem with any of the orange receivers. Like, I've said it before, the only time I've ever had an issue with a receiver going out on me and losing signal is a Spectrum receiver. And I'm not talking about the big yak either. I'm talking about that small little pizza box looking well, little airplane. To be fair, you have had issues with the yak also. Well, that was completely on me. You don't think that, that was, was receiver related? Well, it was receiver-related, but it was because of the power system. Okay. It was pulling right. too much power through it, so it browned out. Okay. All now, right. that, that had nothing to do with signal one. or anything. So okay. the only time I've really lost signal completely has been through, uh, through a spectrum. Okay, so not a fan of, of non-brand name. Now, I understand there are... Uh, spectrum knockoffs out there that aren't real spectrums but have spectrum labels. I'm I'm aware of that. It, it's happening. So for my spectrum equipment, I try to stick with spectrum receivers. Uh, and I will buy them either from a hobby shop or from a trusted source that I know that that is a spectrum product and not a copycat product that has a spectrum label on it. Okay. Yeah. I'll preface it. Now, the orange receivers you're talking about, I have had experience with a couple of those, and I have lost one really nice, in my opinion, airplane because of that receiver. Yeah, that was my airplane. It was. It was that uh, Seagull Extra. Great. I love that airplane. I um, did too. But I put, I cheaped out, and I put an orange receiver in it. No, I think that came from me too, actually, didn't it? Oh, it may have. I, I, it's been yeah, so long, I don't remember. I think so. Um, and I did fly it for quite a while, actually. I flew it for probably at least a whole summer uh, before I finally had the issue uh, where it just locked up in flight. Yeah. Um, and the crash was so devastating, I couldn't diagnose it because the receiver was literally in three pieces at the crash site. It's too bad we didn't have video of that one. Well, I still have the tail. 
It's decora- well, I know. It's decorating my office at work. I know, but I want to see the video of the crash. Uh, but for for um, saving money's sake, uh, I ran the numbers. Uh, you can get a, a six-channel orange receiver uh, from Hobby King for $17. They have gone up. Yes, they have. A lot. Yeah, 17 bucks. When I bought them, they were five bucks a piece. You can get uh, from Amazon a product called RC Mall. That's what's labeled on the receiver. A six-channel Spectrum-compatible receiver for twelve ninety-eight. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I might need to try one of those. A Spectrum... Six channel sport receiver is thirty nine ninety nine. So that's what I got in the in the duelist. Twenty seven dollars you can save by cheaping out and potentially risking your airplane to a non branded receiver. It depends on your airplane. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say there are some that if you crash, I don't care. I understand. Like if we have some cheap profile foamies or something like that, then that's fine. Um, so I think everything has its place. It does. I agree. Yeah. Um, but receivers are one thing that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheap out on. That's and that's just me. Yeah. Um, foamies, stuff like that. Probably, probably no uh, no problem at all with that. But uh, for me personally, I'm gonna stick to uh, Spectrum receivers with my Spectrum radios. All right. So moving on to radios. Okay. Uh, huge fan of Spectrum radios myself. Um, yeah. I have flown with Spectrum since Spectrum was Spectrum. Yeah, um, that's all I've ever used. And before Spectrum, I flew with JR. So I've been I've been kind of brand loyal for quite some time. Yeah. However, um, when Spectrum uh, they just announced this new NX six, I believe it is, um, to the tune of over two hundred dollars for a six channel radio for a six channel sport radio, um, then it got me thinking. There's probably ways you can save money here. So I did some searching, and I, I did some uh, reading, and there's a product called Fly Sky. It's a it's an off brand. It's hobby grade. Yeah, I've heard of them. At any rate, Fly Sky makes a six channel radio for forty eight dollars on Amazon. That's good price. Um, and I read some of the reviews, and um, it, it I liked it to the point where I actually ordered one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, you can look for a review of that. Uh, in a future uh, pod or a, a future video episode from us, uh, and then I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'll thrash on it for a couple months, and then what do you think? Maybe early April, we'll give it away to one of our patrons. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we'll think about that some, and uh, we'll make that uh, we'll make that available. So, if you're a patron, uh, we'll uh, we'll randomly select one, and I'll 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 mail it to you uh, when we're done thrashing it. But anyway, I was so impressed with the stuff I read and the price that I I went ahead and ordered one. <laughs> wow, well, that's yeah. interesting. That says something because I've been Spectrum for a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to test other things because right. I I don't know how that works yeah. either. So. So we'll try it out. Had I had I ordered two six channel radios, had I ordered a Spectrum and a and this Fly Sky, uh, I would have saved one hundred and fifty two dollars over the Spectrum radio by ordering just the Fly Sky. That's a big difference. So that's quite a saving. And does that too. come with a receiver too, or you got to get a receiver? It's a transmitter and receiver and the USB cord to program it, and I believe it came with a soft case. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, I'm really excited actually. Um I haven't uh I haven't 
flown with anything other than Spectrum in such a long time. It'll be a, it'll be a new experience. It'll be exciting. And like I said, look for a review soon on that one. Heck, you might like it and buy yourself one. You never Again, know. Again, after make you a, give this one away. They make a nine channel too. I'm just saying. Uh, a ten channel, rather. See, that would be nice. Because the eight just doesn't seem like it's quite enough sometimes. Yep. yep. Anyway. Yep. Um, okay. Next, and I'm going to make this brief, uh, engines. So gas, nitro, that sort of thing. Uh, so a thir- I, I chose a 30cc just for an example. Um, a Sato FG30B is $600. Yeah. So quality, right? Sato engines, I'm a huge fan. Four stroke, sounds awesome. Yes. Um, NGH, which is a Hobby King brand, uh, sells a GF 30cc four stroke engine. For the paltry sum of three hundred and forty-seven dollars, ah, hundred and fifty bucks off. So, well, that saves you about two hundred and fifty, right? Oh wait, what did you say the first 599 one was? Five ninety-nine minus oh. three forty, so so six hundred minus three fifty. My maths is there off. There you go, two hundred and fifty dollars savings. Now, I cannot speak for the quality of NGH engines, but one of the other Hobby King brands, uh, RCGF, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I have experience with one of those because that's what's on my little Lesbok, and that thing runs fantastic. I have a 15, no. Yeah, I think it's a 15cc RCGF on my uh, Super Skybolt. And it runs great. Yeah. Or at least it did the last time we ran it. Yeah, I've never had a a problem with it. But Um, yeah. But yeah, there you go. Uh, The same story with electric motors. Um, I chose a a fairly standard, and, and I have to admit, Ron is the electric motor guy. He's got the uh, most experience, but uh, but to try to keep it simple uh, for my little brain, I chose the Power 32 size uh, electric motor. Uh, Turnigy sells one for $37. Um, Great Plains, uh, the Rimfire 32 is over 90 bucks. Uh, the E-Flight Power 32 is $75. Yeah. So minimum $37 savings just in your choice of electric motor, at least in that size range. Yeah, and I really don't have any issue with going with cheaper motors. I don't either. Yep. I, I mean, mean, they you, work you the chose same. Them, you put them on your dual list. I did. And actually, they run fantastic, I think. The ones I put on there were twenty three ninety nine a piece. Nice. And they, I mean, yeah, they work great. I have, I have no problem with that. See, I think the whole going with cheap as opposed to the name brand, I guess, if you will, kind of goes back to when I was doing RC cars, like just at home racing with my neighbor. He had, what was it? The Traxxas Valenion? Yeah, I think that's... uh, Some Valenion. Yeah, yeah. it's a Traxxas branded brushless system. The expensive brushless system on his car. Yeah, they were expensive. Yeah, and I had the... uh, I think it was Turnigy is who made mine. And our motors, I mean, they ran the same. Like, I could not tell a difference. It's not like he had a... You know, any any more pull on me, he couldn't pull wheelies better than I could. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't pull away from <laughs> it's me. It's all about the wheelies. <laughs> oh, it's all about going fast. <laughs> um, and his his was no no faster than than mine was. However, the thing I liked about mine, so like he could replace the bearings in his motor when it went out, and they went out. I mean, we ran them hard, so mine would die just about the same amount of times that his would. Mm-hmm. Um, bearings go out, you know, something would happen. So. He could replace the bearings in his. I just replaced the whole motor, and it was the same price. <laughs> I mean, so you replaced a whole motor for what it cost him to just put to bearings, bearings in his. Plus, he had to actually do the work to replace them. Well, I didn't have to do that, and he still had a motor that had all that time on it, and you had a brand new motor. 
Well, not only that, but when my motor died, which like I said, it wasn't often, but when my motor died, I would put a new one on because I always kept a spare and we would just be ready to run again in, in five yeah. or six yeah, minutes. You didn't have to rebuild it. As opposed to being done for the day because he had rebuilt his. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's, like I said, going back on that, I've never had an issue with going yeah. cheap on that. Yep. Especially on cars because you can't, you know, fall out of the sky. Well, yeah. But yeah, that's true. You, you don't push these motors as, as hard as we do with cars. No, I don't think so. So yeah, they so. should last a good long time. Yep. Um, so batteries, that's another, that's another area where you can save some money. Um, I like to buy my uh, uh, nitro airplane receiver packs uh, from Amazon. Uh, their brand name Tenergy, I think is how you pronounce it. Tenergy, yeah. Um, I bought a couple of those. Yeah, and they're 12 bucks Yeah, for a 6-volt, 2,000 milliamp. And I've had excellent results. They, I actually um, uh, cycled one once and it came out like 1980 something milliamps. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, so you're really, getting... they're decent. And I'm pretty sure the cells are probably the same cells that you get in the brand name packs like dynamite and onyx and um, let's see how the spectrum. Um, but yeah, so for comparison, the onyx, you know, which is a hobby co uh, brand, uh, same battery, six volt, two thousand milliamp, twenty five dollars. Wow! So I have no trouble at all <laughs> cheaping Saving out half. on, the, on yeah. the batteries uh, yeah. because I've had good luck with them. And I mean, you buy, I buy two or three of these things at a time, and I don't mind swapping out a battery after three or four years just for that peace of mind. At eleven dollars, twelve dollars, that's that's cheap insurance. And you do that on a name brand one too, so it's not like you're doing that exactly. only because it's a cheap one, right? Yeah. Um, the same, the same sort of savings can be, can be had on lipos also. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, for the numbers I chose like kind of like a standard three cell 2200 milliamp, uh, lipo, uh, e-flight sells one for 30 bucks with a 30 C rating. Amazon, you can get a two pack of a 35 C rating for the same price. <laughs> so half price. So half price. Yeah. And I have used some, uh, Amazon, I'll just call them Amazon lipos. And I've had great, great results with them. Yeah. Um, now, do they make as much power as like the brand name ones? I don't know. What I notice, probably not. Yeah, it depends. I mean, if your if your C rating is that high anyway, you're not going to yeah. tell. I, I don't, don't think you're going to tell much don't difference push them, in them. Like you said, I don't. I don't push them that hard anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. On batteries, I don't have any 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 uh, heartburn at all uh, <laughs> spending spending the money at Amazon for those. Yeah. Um, and the same thing goes for electronic speed controllers. Uh, I don't mind yeah. cheaping out on the speed controllers uh, because the ones that I've had, uh, that I've actually had experience with uh, from Amazon have been, have been fine. Yeah. Um, Once again, that's why I'm, I'm running the Duelist. I think the oh yeah, that's right. 80 amp speed controller is what I'm using. It was twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, a uh, a castle ninety amp, which is about the same specs, sixty five dollars wow. for one. Yeah, uh, Amazon uh, for a four pack. So here's another example. E Flight makes a forty amp uh, ESC with a four amp uh, BEC uh, for twenty nine ninety nine. Okay. Uh, on Amazon, a company called Ready to Sky. I think that's the brand name yeah, of that's the ones I, that you got. Yeah, that's what I have in mind. Um, you can get a four pack of forty amp. ESCs. Now, granted, these are probably marketed to quadcopter kind of guys because there's four of these the four in the pack. package. Yeah. But I looked up the specs and they each have, I think it was a three amp BEC, which is normally plenty for any for of the electrics yeah. that I'm going to fly. Especially uh, in the 40 amp size. Yeah. A 40 amp four pack for $40. 
That's $10 a piece each. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite a savings. Um, And, you know, I had a little note here. If you wanted to go bigger, you could save even more. Uh, Your 80 amp ESC is a perfect example of that. So uh, last and not least, battery chargers. Um, So I'm going to go back a little bit to the car days. Um, I used to, I used to spend big money on, on racing battery chargers, right? I mean, like, Ridiculous. Big money. Okay. Uh, Competition Electronics back then, they made a a product called a Turbo 35. It was a, back then, computerized chargers were like just coming on. This charger was like $375, I think it was. And it was, and it was DC only. Like you, you couldn't just plug it into the wall. Didn't even have a power supply in it. No. Um, So times have changed. Uh, and just as I was getting out of, of RC racing, chargers were getting really, really reasonable. Um, in fact, I think there was a charger called IMAX, I-M-A-X. Yeah, that's, and mm-hmm. it was a DC only charger, but it was a uh, 35 bucks and it would do every battery, like every type of chemistry. Is that like um, the B6 or something, I think? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I, what I used for my comparison here. And you can actually still get that. That charger has been uh, upgraded over time and quite a few different names sell the charger, but it's all the same charger. Um, in fact, it's still called the IMAX B6AC, and this is where that AC-DC thing comes in. Okay. You can plug it into a wall, or you can hook it onto a 12-volt battery. Uh, battery. $48 you can buy that charger for. Wow. So they've it, gone up, too, though, because I bought the yeah. Thunder B6 with the AC adapter built into it, and it was 35 bucks. Yeah. But they, still. They have gone up some, um, but this one, like I said, it's, it's AC-DC, and it will charge every type of chemistry it'll yeah. do lipos lifes lithium ions the nickel metal like NICAT. it does them all it'll even charge a 12 volt lead acid battery yeah like a car battery um, I, i've used mine to charge piper's power wheels yeah perfect i mean they, they work for that yeah um, did a great job for 49 bucks so a similar brand name you know charger that's out there um high-tech which is a, a, a name that I really like. Uh, I actually have a high-tech four-port charger, which is so uh, do I. going back a few years, but it's a great charger. DC um, only. DC only, exactly. You have to use it with a 12-volt power supply or hook it onto a battery. Um, but high-tech makes one now that's AC-DC. It's called the RDX1. It's relatively new. Um, and really, though, uh, price-wise, I think this is pretty reasonable, $63. That's um, oh, not bad. And it does every same thing. It does every chemistry uh probably does a little bit more uh, as far as like you can probably safely, I'm going to say safely, cycle lipos and things like that with this charger. So price-wise might be might be a wash for the features that you get. But still, if you're new to the hobby and you want to spend as little as possible, the IMAX uh, charger for 48 bucks is certainly not a bad buy. Yeah. So... So there you go. I agree. That's my list. Uh, there are some ways that you can save some money um, in the hobby. And you don't have to be like us or be like Tom and spend $1,000 <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> right? Right. There you go. Exactly. I mean, we want, bottom line, we want to see people enjoy the hobby. We want to see people get in the hobby and then not be discouraged because of how expensive it is or or how much they crash or, or any of that stuff. We just, we try to try to enable. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're enablers. We are. Well, that's what we should be. We should be. It's a great hobby. It is a great hobby. So, I yeah. mean, if it wasn't a great hobby, I wouldn't have been in it for so long. And the cheaper, the better. Like, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's that's a good takeaway because you don't want to spend more money than you need to. 
Yes. So. And, and I will say this, only cheap out where you're comfortable cheaping out. Right? Yeah. Like, or I have only my, spend the money, the extra money, where you're comfortable spending exactly. the extra money, too. I guess that's probably a better way of putting yeah. it. Uh, spend the extra where you feel like you need to. In my case, I don't cheap out on receivers. Uh, Ron's case, he cheaps out on everything. <laughs> I do, because <laughs> I don't have the millions of dollars that you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But no, yeah. I, I do try and, and get deals when I can, and I have not been bitten yet. So, yeah. And you know, we didn't, even, we didn't even touch on used equipment. That'll be for a future episode. That's a good idea. This has been long enough. <laughs> yeah. They've listened to us ramble long enough. So hopefully. Yeah. With that, I'm, I'm all done. That's all I, all I had for this episode. Okay. How about you? I, I, I just kind of sat here, so we're, <laughs> we're good. <laughs>